All right, if you will, open your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 22. There are sermon notes if you're visiting. It's important you pull those out because today is our last study on end times. We have been studying this for several weeks, ever since the beginning of the year. And if you're not with, you haven't been with us, understand we've been looking at end times. The sermon notes talk about final words. And this is the final words about end times. There's final words about Revelation. It's the final words. And we've been looking at the subject of the very end of time that is that the Bible is taking us to. And we talk about end of time, not in the sense that time stops, but life as we know it ends. And all of a sudden, a new realm comes in of, of eternity where God brings heaven to earth and we live on earth for all eternity. Um, so that is an interesting mindset as we understand the end times. And as God describes in the book of Revelation, remember Revelation means unveiling, he describes how this is going to play out, how the transition is going to occur, how he's going to bring in incredible judgments. And they are the seal, trumpet, and bull judgments. And we didn't go through all of those details. And even though we have spent 11 weeks, the depth of detail we could have gone into is just overwhelming. And even today, as we're going to have a slideshow wrapping up what we started last week, it's just absolutely overwhelming. And it's because so much of Scripture does deal with end times. But I wanted to focus on some key concepts in our study this time. Picking up, yes, we're, we did talk about the sealed trumpet and bull judgments. Yes, we did talk a little bit about the Antichrist. We'll talk more about him today. We did talk about aspects of the rapture, but all of us need to understand the big picture. What's clear is that Jesus is coming back, and you need to live accordingly. And as we come to verse 6, as we played out the conversation between John, the beloved disciple, the angel, and Jesus himself, we... I have on your sermon notes that uh, the angel speaks first and says, this is really going to happen. And then Jesus says, it's going to happen soon. And we talked about that. And then John came back and said, I am God's prophet for this message. The angel spoke again and said, let people know that the time is short. And then Jesus, we said from verse 12 to about 20, has been giving the most impassionate plea, playing the God card, playing the realities coming soon. And last week where we camped, we were looking at verses 18 and 19. And look at those. He says, I testify, and I believe that the I is Jesus, to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to the plagues which are written in this book. This is a severe warning. You're not to play with this book at all. Verse 19, anyone takes away from the words of the book of the prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city, which are written in this book. The tree of life tree that we saw back in the book of Genesis is now tied in to the very end of time. But there is, I believe, a legitimate tree. And it's tied into, we, we talked about the water, the water of life that was up in verse 17. And as we come to verse 20, he says, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming quickly. So Jesus repeats it. And there, that's the end of his plea. And then we have this final last section. And fill in your blanks, because I wanted to have all the, fill in the blanks with the word conclusion. This is now a fitting conclusion. Amen. The word amen means let it be. This is so. Come, Lord Jesus. There's the plea for every believer. Jesus, we want you to come. I can't emphasize it enough that God tells us that 
There is reward for those who love the return of Jesus Christ. First, um, Second Timothy chapter 4. How I want you to be someone that is yearning for the return of Jesus Christ. Here it's expressed, come Lord Jesus. And then how fitting in verse 21, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. The idea, it's all by grace. We don't earn it, we don't deserve it. He gives it by grace. And then amen, it's, this is so. This is final. You're not going to be able to play with this. You're not going to be able to get away with, from this. This is the reality. This is the way things are playing out. You may not like the way where history is going. You may not like the fact that God's going to judge everyone, that there is going to be a lake of fire that was described earlier in this book, but the reality of it is it's genuine, it's true, it's coming. And yes, it's been 2,000 years, but as we'll see, God has his plan. So verses 18 and 19 within this book talks about the fact that, look, if you hear these words, these are words that you can trust and you can rely upon, and you're not to play games with these. And so last week, what I did was I started a slideshow, and if we can get the lights, we got halfway through it, and, and basically what I wanted to show is I wanted to do a study of, an, of the application of this and how it tied to the 70 weeks of Daniel. And, and I said that the Daniel is the backbone of prophecy and gives the structure of the book of Revelation. So that's a spine. And when we look at Daniel and how his prophecy ties to other scriptures, then ties to Revelation, it's clear that God's word is to be taken literally and seriously. We're not to add to it or take away from it. And so the purpose of the slideshow was to show you God's word can be understood for specific events literally. Not all scripture is literal, okay? Sometimes you come to this point, Jesus says, I'm a door. I don't believe that he's a literal door. So not all scripture is literal. But when I talk about things, scripture, it's authoritative. And when there are places where the literal makes sense, seek no other sense. So when he talks about seal, trumpet, and bold judgments, and I look at the way one-fourth of the world dies, one-third of the world dies, everybody dies, I look at that as literal. God's word will be fulfilled even if it takes time from Daniel through Revelation. God's word is not to be altered. And so what we started, and if you weren't with us, I'm just going to give you a summary of what the next like 10, 15 slides are all about, is that God recognized that mankind wanted nothing to do with him at the Tower of Babel. Instead, God said, okay, fine, I'm scattering you, I'm judging you, but I'm going to take one man named Abraham. I'm going to give him a promise. I'm going to give him what we call the Abrahamic covenant, land, seed, and blessing. God is going to bless mankind through Abraham. While that land that God promised, which we know is the land of Israel, was yet to be fulfilled, that promise, God gave a Mosaic covenant to put the people of Israel in the land temporarily. And the, the Mosaic covenant was a conditional covenant meaning that it was dependent upon how man did. I read, even this week, passages in Scripture where God talks about unconditional covenants, conditional, like the Abrahamic, the Davidic, the Jeremiah covenant, covenants where it doesn't matter what man does, but the Mosaic covenant did. And in the Mosaic covenant, one of the rules that mankind had was that they would not plant crops every seventh year. The, the nation of Israel wouldn't plant. And they didn't follow that. They didn't obey it. And so that, along with other acts of disobedience, got them the penalties that were in Leviticus 26. And God said to Israel, I'm going to 
get you under judgment. He judged the northern ten tribes. He judged the southern two tribes. And when our prophet Daniel, who we said that he, he writes the backbone of prophecy, is in the land of Babylon, and it's the year about 538 B.C., he has understood that God, through the prophet Jeremiah, has punished the people of Israel for seven, 70 years, the southern tribe. And Daniel, in year 68, is reading his Bible, in essence. He's reading the book of Jeremiah. Because he understands that when Jeremiah said, you're going to be in the land for 70 years and then you're going to get out, then Daniel says, well, this is the year 68. We should get out. And so what happened is, as, as Daniel was reading this, I'm going to get to the slide where... Daniel is reading the prophet Jeremiah, and he's in captivity. And the 70 years are almost up. So Daniel is wondering, how is Judah going to get back into the land of Israel? And so he starts to pray. And he, he's reading the word of Jeremiah. And, and God then sends him an angel. And God sends an angel, Gabriel, who appears to him and says, Oh, Daniel, I've now come forth to give you insight with understanding. And instead of telling Daniel how Judah is getting back to the land in two years, Gabriel gives God's plan for the ages. God uses the number 70 again as God goes beyond the temporary return to how the permanent return will take place. And he begins this passage that is the backbone of prophecy. Daniel 9, 24 to 27. 70 weeks have been decreed for your people to bring in everlasting righteousness. And we said this 70 weeks, literally in the Hebrew, is 70 weeks of weeks. And it was an expression for groups of seven-year periods. Okay? As Daniel continued, he said, You are to know and discern from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. So, seven weeks and 60, 62 weeks out of the 70 weeks, which adds up to 69. Okay? After 62 weeks, the Messiah, after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Israel was destroyed, attacked by the Romans in 70 AD. And its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war. Desolations are determined. It's going to be a time of tribulation. He will make a firm covenant. Who? The prince of, who is to come with the many for one week, one seven-year period. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. We believe this is the middle of the tribulation. We'll, and I'll talk about that in, in a second. The reason this is the backbone of prophecy, it gives the timeline that takes us to Jesus, then into eternity. This is the key point. It gives us the timeline. Note in this timeline, we get these highlights. It tells when the Messiah will come the first time and that he will be cut off. It gives the six benefits in verse 24. Key is that we see sin is ended, sin is atoned, and everlasting righteousness is brought in. It tells us how long the final time period will end. It also tells us there's a coming final judgment as we deal with verses 26 and 27. 
So 70 weeks of years. The expression is not a week of seven days, but literally weeks of weeks, which was an expression for seven-year periods. Some refer to this as weeks of years. Weeks of weeks refers to a group of seven-year periods. There are 70 of these because Israel missed 70 Sabbath years for rotating crops. Seven times 70 equals 490 years. And here is the, this is where we stopped last week. So this is all review. (laughs) This was just review. So Daniel gives us a timeline. And again, I said, if you, now from this point, if you want this slideshow, I will send it to you, okay? Um, But this is a timeline. And the, the picture here starts with the 70 years in Babylon. And the, Judah, the southern tribe, has been punished because they did not obey the Mosaic Covenant. And it's in the year 538 that Daniel chapter 9 begins. And we know that because of even secular history ties into that. And so Daniel is praying. And when Daniel prays, he's given an answer that doesn't deal with the next two years of when they come back. Okay, and they'll come back, we believe, in about the year around 536 B.C. Daniel is given a prophecy that deals with the end of time. And it begins with the, the decree to rebuild. Okay, and so we believe this happened around 445 B.C. The 69 weeks, the 7 weeks and the 62 weeks, takes us right to the cross. All right, what we're waiting for is the last 70th week with, we believe, the rapture happening before that and the Antichrist making a seven-year covenant with the Jews. And if you weren't here at the beginning of the service, we played a video of how, in First Thessalonians, the world is saying peace and safety, peace and security. And it's ironic that what the Antichrist, I believe, is going to make happen is being yearned for in our world today. So what starts the entire timeline? The decree to rebuild the temple. That decree was made by the Persian ruler Artaxerxes in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 8, to rebuild the wall. So you take your notes, you go back, and you see that this decree was recorded in the book of Nehemiah. I know that people don't always read Nehemiah, Ezra, those books back there. You get lost in them. Why did God throw those things in there? You know, just to make your Bibles bigger? Well, So much of this keys into what God is doing through the nation of Israel through all eternity. We said, again, 445 B.C. Okay, whoops. So, the first 483 years. Note the weeks are not consecutive for the the entire 490 years. The first 483 years are made of seven weeks of weeks and 62 weeks. Why the split, even if these run consecutively? We think it has to do with Nehemiah's ministry in rebuilding the wall. The bottom line, and this is what's so exciting about today. What's today? Palm Sunday, where the church around the world is honoring Palm Sunday. The day that Jesus came in to Jerusalem and was decreed, was supposed to be recognized as the Messiah. Okay? It was exactly 483 years from the decree until the Messiah officially came. We know this official visit as the triumphal entry. The calculation of days from the decree until the triumphal entry, depending on the system of years you use, 
the Bible primarily uses a 360-day year. But I know sometimes people use, in these calculations, a 365-day year. But if you stay consistent, no matter what system you use, you get 173,880 days, okay? And it's believed that the decree, many people believe the decree was March 14, 445 B.C., to April 6th, 32 AD, which was exactly 173,880 days. My point is, I know there are many variations of the above calculation. For example, there are different starting dates. People use different dates, so please, please, I'm aware of that, okay? And I know that there are 360 and 365 day calendars. So not to confuse, and I could have shown all the different systems, but I wanted you to understand that no matter what you do, no matter what system you do, if you start and you're consistent, every one of them lands on the, the majority of them, <laughs> the Christian conservatives, land on the Jewish Passover when Jesus had the triumphal entry. That's my point. The point is, if you follow Daniel's prophecy, and the Jews would have taken the Bible literally, remember the pr purpose of this slideshow is for you to understand, if you would have taken the Bible literally, you could have calculated, oh my, from the issuing of the decree to 69 years where Messiah is cut off, which I would have wondered if I'm a Jew, I'm like, why in the world is he going to be cut off? I would have known the very day the Messiah came to Jerusalem to be declared the Messiah. So the book that I would recommend is a small little book. Some of you um, know that we're close to Winona Lake, Grace Theological Seminary, one of the best professors, Alvin J. McLean wrote a book that really goes into the details. It's a small little book, still available. Daniel's Prophecy of the 70 Weeks, okay? Daniel's Prophecy basically works out from, you start 445 B.C., the command and the restore the, to rebuild the temple in Nehemiah 2. You've got, the, you've got the 69 weeks, the 483 years, from the commandment to rebuild the temple to Messiah, the presentation of the messiah on april 6 32 a.d and again i'm aware that you can use a different system you come up with a different date okay but what we're in today is the is what's called the church age because messiah is cut off the temple would be destroyed which it was in 70 a.d what we're waiting for for the last 70th week is for a covenant to be signed an agreement to be signed where israel thinks that they are at peace and they will lower their defense shields, okay? Daniel 9, 27, the 70th week, we know we'll have the middle of it where we'll have what's called the abomination of desolation. Jesus must have believed this was true because he refers to it in Matthew chapter 24. And then Messiah comes to establish the kingdom, the kingdom that was ultimately promised to Abraham. And, and again, how people could think that the Jews and Israel doesn't have a future, they You've got to then not understand scripture. So the triumphal entry is the last day of the 69th week of weeks. This is why, and you just jot this down, Luke 19. On that day, we read out of Mark today, but the triumphal entry is in every gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in the gospel of Luke, the Pharisees in the crowd were saying, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Because the people were yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna. They were, that's like, save now, God. You're, the, you're our king. You must be the Messiah. That's what they were crying out. Hosanna, Hosanna, which literally means save now. 
and save now God, some people say. And so the Jewish people who were against Jesus were saying, stop, you can't say that. You can't say you're the Messiah. Jesus answered, I tell you, if these became silent, these people, if people didn't recognize me as the Messiah on this day, the stones will cry out. Why would the stones cry out? It would send an earthquake because if, this is what I want you to understand, if God's word is not fulfilled to the T, it would shake the very universe. It would shake the very earth. That's what Jesus is saying. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known in this day, because the people who believed that the Bible could be taken literally could have calculated the very day. If in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they've been hidden from your eyes. Why? Because Jesus comes into Jerusalem and he's rejected. How's he rejected? They, they, they say this and they won't, they won't recognize him as king. I just think how ironic that I didn't plan this out, that God allowed us to have this study on this very day. So if you want to think about Palm Sunday... You want to think about the reality that God calculated it out to the very day. I mean, there are some other things in Scripture, like um, just thinking off the top of my head, where God talks about to Israel, you know, you're going to be in captivity for 400 years. And there's, there's calculations that believe that was, again, when Israel goes into captivity for 400 years into Egypt. That was to the very day. How you cannot miss with goosebumps the reality of the power of God to work through history, you would be missing, I think, on some of the joy of Scripture. So the triumphal entry is the very last day. Now, sometimes people say, oh, these end times, they just get so confused and they just become so overwhelming. Well, God does require you to put forth effort. God doesn't have you just to, you know, flip every time you do your devotionals. You want, he wants you to put forth some study. And he wants you to understand what Scripture is. So... As we go on in this, Jesus is killed, fulfilling Daniel 9.26. Then after 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. This is one of the few times in Scripture, remember the bold is my emphasis, but the word Messiah, the anointed one, we're clearly talking about Jesus. He will be cut off and have nothing. Well, this brings in Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. We're going to study this for Good Friday. The idea that he's cut off and have nothing. This is exactly what we know. Jesus goes to the cross. He dies. He pays the penalty for our sins. It was all in part God's plan. But at the same time, we cannot miss that this is the backbone of prophecy. God had his plan. 62 weeks. And he'll cut off. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. This was explicit. Now, I wish it would have happened the very next day where Rome came in and destroyed the city. But it didn't happen that way. There's a cutoff. It was in 70 AD. So first, Jesus was rejected and killed. Galatians chapter 4, it's the fullness of time. In 70 AD, the temple is destroyed by the Romans. And the people of the prince who was to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Today, you see the remnants of the destruction. And I hope I don't know if I capitalize it. This is a picture of the Wailing Wall. All right? And why is the Wailing Wall? Well, it's just it's like the only part left. Remember that Jesus said no stone would be unturned. It's the idea of God sending judgment, all because they rejected the Messiah. And, and the only part from that attack, when the Roman general, I believe it was Titus, came in, is this part of the temple. And Jews still come to that place. Christians will come to this place and honor it. All right? So this isn't all made up. This isn't something we are just forcing upon the text 
we know the sanctuary, the city, was actually destroyed. The prince to come in Daniel 9 is the Antichrist. He has to be tied to the Roman Empire. Why? Because he is the people of the prince to come. Who destroyed the temple? The Roman Empire did. That is why the recent uniting of Europe should make us aware that end times are lining up. Because you need a Roman ruler to sign the peace treaty. And in the previous studies, we've talked about this. How it's just amazing that as Europe has gone to a currency called the euro, and there is this new confederation that's taking place, that I have magazines in my office where Europe is now calling themselves the rebirth of the Roman Empire. You can't make this stuff up. That, that, and you can't force it on the text. I mean, it's not like, hey, you've got all these people over in Europe today that says, you know what, we, we really need to work on, you know, giving these people, these Bible people, a, a little trick. We're, let's call ourselves the rebirth of the Roman Empire. I mean, they literally have symbols, part of the, the, the Roman, um, the, the, the regathering of, as the European countries are coming together, part of their symbol is, you got you to get goosebumps with this, is the Tower of Babel, which <laughs> fits too, okay? So we believe that the Antichrist is going to somehow be tied to the Roman Empire. What starts the final seven years? The Antichrist, the prince, signs a peace treaty with Israel. We don't know when this will be signed to start the tribulation, but these are exciting days. Here's why the days and, age, the days and ages we live in are so exciting. is because Israel is back in the land since 1948. The materials for rebuilding the temple are ready to go. We studied a couple weeks ago 2 Thessalonians. The Antichrist steps into the temple and he declares himself to be God. Well, how can he do that if there's no temple? Well, I've got a book in my office. They're collecting, and it was written 15 years ago. At that time, they had like, out of 300 and some elements, they had like 226. I'm arbitrarily coming up with those numbers, but the, they, they were very close. I think they've got most of them. They were taking people named Cohen. You know a Jewish person with the last name C-O-H-E-N, Cohen, because the Jews lost at the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. They lost their, their, their genealogies, their tie-in, you know, uh, all the way back to Abraham. Many of those records were lost. And the Jews today believe that if they find people with the name Cohen, Cohen means priest, they're thinking that those family lines would perhaps be of the Levitical priesthood. So when they kick off and start the temple again, that they will have these people picked to be running the temple. Whether that's right or not, I just got to tell you, it's happening. So the materials for rebuilding the temple are ready to go. Europe has reunited, and they're referring to themselves as the rebirth of the, the Roman Empire. It's not strong yet. We didn't study Daniel chapter 2. You go into the incredible genius of God. God says that it'll be a very fragile rebirth. And, you know, what happened in the past two weeks, if you're aware of um, contemporary events europe is dealing with the fact that england wants to pull out england wants to pull out of the european um the new um european market because it's fitting perfectly god said it would be a very fragile thing that it wouldn't be very stable so what we're waiting for is someone to come in out of this area of the world 
and offer Israel a peace treaty, okay? The final week, the final seven years begins with the, with the signing of this treaty right here. Uh, and then you begin with the first seal, and I believe the day of the Lord begins. What's interesting is the rapture occurs before this, and how much time between this is unknown, okay? Now, whether these birth pangs are here or starts in here, I, I can't tell you specifically because I do believe some things aren't as clear as that I would like them to be. I put on this slide 1,260 days, 1,260 days, this reference is often used throughout the book of Daniel as well as in the book of Revelation. For whatever reason, God splits up the, seven, the final seventh year, all right? Half of the seven years is 1,260 days. At the end of the seventh, 70th week, the Messiah comes. The peace treaty is part of the judgment because Israel lowers the defenses. Ezekiel 37 teaches Israel will be gathered after being scattered throughout the nations. This regathering happened in 1948. Israel can disperse again, but will it? So if you're, you know, today you're saying, well, everything I've ever known, Israel's always been in the land. But again, I've got, I've seen books that reference, if they're written in 1930, and there was like, Israel isn't in the land, but I believe one day they will come back in the land. Well, that happened in 1948. Why didn't Jesus return in 1955? Well, because things are working itself out. God has his timetable. But what we learn, and you should go back and you should study this, Ezekiel 37 talks about how Israel will be gathered. It's called the dry bones prophecy, that they will be regathered without being saved. And that's exactly what we see today. Israel is regathered, but they are unsaved people. Ezekiel 38 says Israel will be a land of unwalled villages, meaning they will be, have lower defenses. This is what the peace treaty with the Antichrist will accomplish, that they're going to sign this peace treaty and Israel will drop their defenses. Well, I've talked to people over in Israel. I've seen what goes on in Israel. Right now, they're always on heightened awareness, heightened alert. Right now, there is no way they would ever drop their security defenses. Something has to significantly happen. I don't know what's going to happen. Is the United States going to be blown up? Is things going to be in the world so chaotic that all of a sudden Europe becomes, this, becomes now the world power and there's so much security over what this European power becomes that when he signs the agreement that Israel will drop their defenses? I can't tell you how it plays out. I just know that the Bible says when it's describing the judgment that the final judgment Israel gets for disobeying the Mosaic Covenant they will think that they are at peace. 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us the whole world will think that peace has finally come. Okay? And this is the verse we just saw in the video. As to the times and epics, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying, peace and safety, peace and security. Then destruction will come upon them like labor pains upon a woman with child. And they will not escape. The world longs for peace with Israel. The tribulation is the last week of weeks. It will last seven years. The key will be the midpoint that leaves three and a half years. This time period of exactly three and a half years is also described like this. 1260 days in Revelation 11, 3, 12, 6. 42 months, okay? So seven times 12 is 84. 40, half of 84 is 42. 
42 months in Revelation 11, 2, 13, 5. How people could say the numbers in Revelation don't make sense. You, you can't take them literally. A thousand in chapter 20 doesn't mean a thousand. 42 doesn't mean 42. 1260 doesn't mean 1260. You scratch your head. This is what I want you to understand. The literal nature of the Bible, it's absolutely overwhelming. It will take place exactly like this. The other expression, times, times, and half a time in Daniel 9.25 and 12.7. So Daniel references the times, times, and half a time. And then it's picked up in Revelation 12.14. This is why Daniel is driving the book of Revelation. Okay? So here... The purpose of the slideshow was to show you God's word could be understood for specific events literally. Daniel understood the events from Leviticus to, to Second Chronicles to Jeremiah to be literal. Remember, Leviticus said, hey, you're to rotate your crops every seven years. Israel didn't do it. God said, fine, you're going to be punished. Second Chronicles, the very last few verses. Israel, you're punished 70 years for not rotating crops. Jeremiah says... Okay, you're going to be in captivity for 70 years, then I'm going to bring you back, all right? God gave a literal penalty of 70 years that Daniel expected to end in the year 536 B.C. The exile did end in 536, but then God gave Daniel the bigger plan. Here's the challenge. Why can't we believe God's word is to be taken literally? So far, Daniel's prophecy has played out exactly as he said in 483 of the 490 years. We should understand all these events as literal events. They will happen. They will. And if they are going to happen, you don't have to worry about the stock market and the pressure and the plans of, of retirement and, and living for all the gusto of this world. You have to recognize God is going to destroy the world as we know it. It sounds very encouraging. On Palm Sunday, I'd rather have a palm and just like yell, Hosanna. But the reality of it is, is God's word is to be taken literally. And he wants his Christian believers to live in light of this. The second purpose, God's word will be fulfilled even if it takes time. God has his schedule. He punished Israel on his timetable. He gave Israel a prophecy that spans the ages. The prophecy has a break in it that has lasted some 2,000 years so far. But if the first 483 years came true, should we not expect the final seven years to come true? Yes, I believe Revelation tells us that final seven-year period that Daniel described, Revelation is clearly tied to Daniel. Revelation is not to be taken away or added to as a prophecy. So I believe it's going to happen. Why isn't it happening in my, my day? Um, in the sense, why didn't it start yesterday? I don't know. But I've got to believe God has his schedule. God's word is not to be altered. You cannot add to the prophecy or take away from it. So when people say, you know, we have a new book of Mormon and we have other views and, and uh, Jehovah Witnesses say Jesus came back in the year 1914 or 1917 and they tell us, you know, he's, in essence, he's given us new revelation. No, you can't. But at the same time, I've got to recognize the book of Revelation is tied to the scriptures that have already been given. And as I've said before, there are over 400 prophecies in the book of Revelation that are tied to the Old Testament, of which the key is the book of Revelation is tied to the book of Daniel. And we saw exactly 483 years from the start of Daniel's prophecy to the triumphal entry, which we're celebrating today. Revelation is a book that has over 400 references it is linked especially to Daniel 9, 24 to, 24 to 27. 
Hence, you need to know that prophecy. You need to take it literally. We cannot change this or add to it. It will happen just like God says. And then I, I put a, time, uh, a, a, a timeline in here. Basically, I know you can't see it, it but from the issuing of the decree to the cross was exactly 483 years. We're living in the church age, and we're waiting. We're waiting for the final 70 years. So when you get this, if you ask for the slideshow, you'll be able to see more of the details. But we're, we're waiting. Why are we waiting? Well, one of the things that we've talked about before is that God is allowing people to get saved. He's, he's allowing people to get saved. And, and so in the meantime, he wants us to remember. This is how he's ended his Bible. This is like right at the end. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to them the plagues which are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the prophecy of this book, the uh, book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life. That's pretty serious. And from the holy city which are written in this book. Okay, conclusion. The end is coming. It is coming exactly as God said it would. Will you believe in Jesus to escape the judgments because you take them literally? That's it. Today, we recognize Jesus came in. He declared himself to be God. I mean, to be the Messiah, who would have been God-man. But they rejected him. They killed him. Today, you can believe in the one they cried out, Hosanna. If you reject it, judgment comes to you. And maybe if we're raptured and the tribulation starts in a week, and a month, or whatever, you will have to go through these judgments. And if you're a believer, will you warn others to take, uh, others to, take to, to escape the literal judgments? Will you warn others to escape, is what I say, the literal judgments by offering them the gospel? This is for us as believers. So number one, you need to believe, and number two, you need to warn people. Okay? And that's it. Right, Brian? There we go. So, oh, hit the lights. Look at the last verse. Look at the last verse of the Bible. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. When the end comes, I don't know. I cannot set a date. I hope it is soon. In the meantime, we all have to live faithfully as if it's coming today. Yes, Lord Jesus, please come. Our passion should be for the return of Jesus Christ. I want you guys to study the, the end times because when you study it, it hones your skills. Most importantly, I want you to live in light of it. It's exciting times that we live in. Think about it. We're seeing the rebirth of the Roman Empire. We're seeing... Israel collect materials to rebuild the temple. I've got a picture of a Newsweek, I think it's Newsweek or Time magazine, where they, they brought in a red heifer. A red heifer was a special cow that needed to be part of the sanctifying of the, of the temple. Israel's flying those, has flown those in to get ready. They're ready to rebuild. Are we the last generation? It seems like exciting it really is um and so today today live with that urgency because no one who ever lives with that urgency will fail in life let's pray father we thank you that we've been able to take time to scratch the surface on end times i don't know lord if i created more questions than answers but i hope the simple truths that we've studied of the fact of jesus is returning has pressed upon all here that the, the bible not only tells us the plan but tells us the way of escape and that we can trust in it god if someone's heart is hardened towards god melt it today if someone's heart is hardened because they love their sin melt it today 
if someone is so wanting to just continue to live their life and have no interference with God, I pray, Lord, that they recognize that one day you will interfere in the world. You will bring a judgment. You're going to destroy this earth. And whatever anyone is holding on to, wanting to have, will be taken away. So either the grave gets us or the end gets us. And the only way to be blessed as this book has told us over and over, is to heed this prophecy, to live in light of the fact of the little return of Jesus Christ. May we do it by believing. May we do it by living accordingly. In Christ's name, amen.